Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Excellence Cartel. You're joined by the usual three J's. Today, we have a good friend of ours, Nick Langer, joining us, and he's from Omaha, Nebraska. Now, I don't know much about Omaha, Nebraska, but he's got a couple of gyms out there. He's built a hell of a brand for himself, and we've been fortunate to know him now for a few years. We're going to bring him on today and talk about stress and health markers, which is with competition season here, probably a very important topic to talk about. And Nick himself is in prep. So we thought this would be great. But with that being said, I can get into how the last seven days have been with all of us. Jeffrey Sue, I see the bling bling on your wrist. It's nice. It catches the eyes. It's subtle, but yet says, fuck you money. I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah. I finally got my watch and uh, it's, it's definitely worth every, penny every hour of uh client work that goes into the pennies that i earn uh so i love it thank you jeff love it um yeah life has been good man um laura is really growing quickly my assistant coach uh, her social media presence is growing she's getting healthy i actually outsourced her coaching um to dylan Fanouf up in canada and outsourced our mentorship to austin stout and I believe that we will operate a little more efficiently with those responsibilities off of my plate. And I can just be her boss and, you know, let those guys take care of her because we were running into a situation where, you know, we would be, you know, discussing her case as, you know, client and coach. And then, you know, you know, whatever feelings were involved there would bleed into the mentorship that would bleed into the employee employer relationship and things were getting kind of bogged down. So we made the decision together to outsource that. And, you know, Dylan and Austin are both very respectable and great guys that, you know, I trust will take good care of her. So aside from that, you know, increased I pouring in, I just signed someone today, paid in full six months. Laura signed like four or five people last week or something. So yeah, business is growing. We're, we're right in the thick of the, uh, the busy season now, I think. So. Good for you, man. Well-deserved. Yeah, life is good. Jason. What's up? How's your last seven days been, bro? Overall, it's been good. Um, went to a wedding on Saturday night. Uh, that was Zeb and Ambria's. Um, Zeb's Did you wedding show, crash uh, it? Huh? Did you like wedding crash it? Did you just get like absolutely trashed and no. act horrible? All right. so I was invited. Um, <laughs> and it was good though, man. It was probably one of the coolest weddings I've been to. Uh, venue was great. It was just all, all around well done you walk in the door they gave you uh you could either choose from this watermelon shot or you could get fireball so i grabbed some fireball as soon as they said i do everyone cheers cheers and and took a shot so that got the party going so then i grabbed a vodka soda and or vodka and seven up by the time i got that down <laughs> my buddy had some some good 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 uh smoke and i was feeling pretty good pretty early in and then after that i kind of just paced myself but it was cool man um let's see i'm bringing on a new well i brought on a new coach um jane carlson she's a long-term client of mine she was at the pec five um so i'm excited about that she's already got a little bit of a business going and she's got more people she can tap she's just not been doing so but we're gonna we're gonna get her up to speed try to get her to around 30 clients and just see where she's at and how she feels. Cause she does have a full-time job right now that pays well. So she's not quite ready to, to, to move on from that. And she might, might just stay, but anyways, and then I'm talking to a guy in my gym, he's younger, about 23, really go getter. And I'm looking to sign him 
um, as a coach as well. So I'm looking to grow the team right now. Um, I like Sue said, I mean, like one week I had like 11 signups this week. I've had four or five. So it's, it's the busy time. And so, uh, with us expanding, I'm going to bring in some other coaches, um, HRT clinic. We're still waiting on our management system. I do have coaches referring us now, but I haven't really gone live other than when I mention it here. Um, once we get our management system in, we're going to go full blown live, but our first month was a great month for, for not really quote unquote being in business. Uh, the website's up that's advanced vitality, HRT.com. If you want to check it out, coaches who are listening, I think, you know, my background, you know what I'm about and, you know, I know hormones and um, I feel like I hired one of the best uh, NPs around for women's hormones. Uh, men, men's pretty easy. She knows men too, but she's, she's a rock star with women. So for all you coaches out there of women with issues, I really think you'd be remiss to not send them to us, to be honest with you. And we're, we're cheaper than a lot of the other places. Oh, I think you use propanate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For women. That one's nice. Yeah. At least yep. start there, you know. And if it's not working and they're burning through it too fast, now we'll go to sit. But I'm seeing, I was seeing way too many 200, 300 mg. Yeah, it's and, you know, not every woman loses well once their test gets high. They start to kind of act more like a PCOS uh, case. They'll gain visceral but, fat too if you look at like in bodies yeah, and different stuff like yeah, that. So it's <clears> not, it's not like, oh God, put women on a lot of testosterone. They're going to just, shred up and get muscular they get more size but a lot of them are puffy and they hate it yep they Uh, hate it yeah so yeah so anyways that's kind of what's going on in my world right now um looking forward to pe6 uh pec6 in nashville and the warm weather's here man i got out in the pool last week so i'm i'm good man yeah you know i don't like winter so now that everything's sunny i'm more more sunny myself i guess yeah well good i'm glad you seem like you're good spirits i uh I'm like you guys, business is pretty good. I've had a few signups just trolling along, nothing real too crazy. I've been growing at a steady little pace, and every year is better and better. So I guess I'm happy about that. Um, working out the finalization with another coach to bring on to Relentless as well. I kind of am looking at what I'm creating as like the four horsemen I want to do when I do that auditorium, like a live center for like health and fitness seminars and stuff like that. Um, I think I'm going to go 25,000 square feet. So Laura Conlon was in town back in Sunday. Uh, yeah, why was she, she in town? She has a friend here and they're doing like, so they were going to like some fashion oh. uh, thing that was in the convention center on Monday and Tuesday. They're going to do, they're looking at like, uh, I guess just fashion stuff. I was like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, the manufacturers who makes what material. Yeah, 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 so yeah, she yeah. got in early, took her to breakfast, she came back here, she walked their work and stuff. And then me, her and Keegan went to lunch. I took her out in the Jeep with Keegan. The three of us just drove around and just, cool. I showed her like the, the side of Nashville I live on, but I showed her where I was going to do the gym. And I was looking at 25,000 square feet, I think is what I'm going to do. Um, now you're back to building it. I thought you were going to leave. No, no, I'm going to lease. Okay. All right. Yep. Nope. Smarter call. I don't want to be, I think that I'm going to be in a better position because these people have it already built and they've yeah. already gone on a finance note. And with interest rates climbing, I suspect yeah. I'll be able to get a better deal squeezing them than me having to shoulder it on my back. Plus that allows me to do the cooler stuff I want to do with the, uh, money i have and the investors are my yeah. to be able to paint a vision etc i'll be honest with you i think that's a better route than yep. building the building i mean i know we all know that if you own the building you can pay the I, mortgage with your business and you got this big million dollar thing at the end of your life but i, I mean it's a lot of undertaking a lot of responsibility and i don't know man i think nick might agree with me here if you're going to own a gym 
The hardest part you're going to come into right now is the amount of money you can make command per month, plus also being able to accrue and turn over equipment. Arsenal ain't cheap and 45 pound plates are fucking still expensive. So it's in the treadmills blow the shit out of stuff if people do hit. So you got to get those woodbine treadmills, which are 4K a piece preferred. So, I mean, gyms are going to be heavy duty front ends, like probably half a mil to do it right. Like That's if you're going to, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to be north of that for sure. Like I've already got, like I, when you're down here, I'm going to pull it up on the whiteboard to show you what I'm doing, but I'm actually going to go after CrossFit and try to lure the coaches out across it and cl- collapse a box, a couple boxes around here and then fold their best coaches in and then offer the class model on top of it and just have where the CrossFit people can also access the gym 24 seven to do CrossFit when they wanted to. Okay. And that will take a chunk because most of them can't get into CrossFit boxes. Um, unless the gym's open for the classes. So anyway, hung out with her and stuff like that. She's going to be in town for uh, PEC 6, which is June 4th. Guys, we know tickets are slow. Um, actually, my girlfriend helped me with this one. Uh, Southwest and Frontier right now are the cheapest airlines in the Nashville. So if you guys are looking, be sure to scour those two. But go ahead and get the tickets because my guess is they might be going up. Um, the airlines looks like they're making all their money back for what they lost in 2020 in one failed swoop. But if you guys need recommendations on airports near us, Louisville, a lot of people are flying into. That's a two and a half hour drive away. Uh, tickets are pretty cheap getting in and out of there on different airlines. Atlanta's three and a half hours, Knoxville, Memphis. Um, so if you need any other questions, be sure to hit me up and I can help you out the best I can. Um, is there an airport directly into Nashville or yeah, just BNA? Yeah. Yeah. Nashville's got Nashville's huge now. We're like cat at, we're going towards cat. I like figure, but I just haven't heard about Nashville airport. Uh, so. Nah, it's just, I, there's something going on. Like we, we now know like guys, it's hard to do the PEC in Nashville in June because it looks like May, June begins our country music season kickoff. Mm-hmm. So like this city is going to be absolutely packed. So if you want the Nashville experience, this is the weekend to get it. Cause the best artists are in the city playing. Yeah. Like, I mean, all over. I mean, it's not going to be nothing to be walking around. Probably see Morgan Wally and them hanging out. Like, that's just going to be what it's going to be. So, um, <clears throat> anyway, that being said, tickets are on sale, theexcellencecartel.com. Um, we're still doing the small group, except we're going to take the people, we're going to take everybody to lunch. We found a sushi place. We just kicks ass and we figured we would do that. If you guys aren't into sushi, well, shit, we'll find some other places. Pretty cool. We'll go to. Um, but if you're interested, be sure to go to theexcellencecartel.com, pick up tickets and see our ticket. Nick, how's your last seven days after you heard us three assholes just blab out? Uh, it's been good, man. I've been, uh, it's been one of those aspects of, I was actually talking with a good friend of mine. Uh, it's everything seems to be clicking right right now, which is pretty damn cool. Uh, the gyms hit, hit a milestone that we've been kind of going after for a little while now. Yeah. Uh, I want to say you, what was, what was the milestone? Sure. So the, the goal was to hit over 1,700 members, and we just hit over 1,700 members. So, nice. Uh, For all your gyms? Yeah. yeah Fuck yeah. Congratulations, so, man. That's good. Um, and that was just after doing an expansion on the first location to 12,000 square, a little over 12,000 square feet. Um, and so that was a, that was a huge win uh, from the coaching side. Um, you know, we just ended up hitting – Another new record we've been kind of building every single month as far as um, hitting new records, as far as that goes. So that's been awesome. Uh, and personally, I've started transitioning myself out of a lot of the actual in-person training. So I am no longer, I've only doing that about, technically I'm only doing it about two days a week now. Um, I used to be doing it five days a week. So 
I figured out that if I delegate properly and I get myself out of training people in person all the time, I can actually do a lot more and accomplish a lot more. So, um, so slowly transitioning, my goal is actually within the next six ish months to actually get completely out of the in-person training, um, and just be the leader of the team. So, uh, and that's, it's trending that way pretty quick here. So, um, we've got some good family news. There's all sorts of family stuff going on, which is always great. So, um, blessed there. Uh, yeah, man, it's been again. And, and from a prep side, like, I don't think I've ever seen my body respond the way it has right now. Um, I'm the heaviest I've ever been. I'm the leanest I've ever been at this weight. Um, and so, you know, I can't complain. And the crazy part about it is the, the dosages of what I'm running are minuscule in comparison to what I've done in the past. My yeah. health is better than it's ever been. Um, you know, my body's responding the best it's ever been. And I'm getting stronger as I'm going through prep, which is insane to me. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been good, man. It's, it just show, goes to show kind of a lot about what we're about to talk about, but if you can actually manage recovery, manage stress, the ability of what the body can actually do is pretty insane. So are you going to be a super or will you be a heavy? No, I'll be top end of the heavy. So I just, okay. this morning I was like 225, 226. Okay. Um, will probably pull me down to about somewhere around 220 just to get my glutes all the way striated in. Yep. Um, and then we'll have a good six to seven weeks to actually build back up into USA. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, nice. we'll have, we'll have some time to actually make some fun out of it. So USA is the pro qualifier you're aiming for. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't really telling anybody about it, but yep, that's the one that I'm going to shoot for. So, so yeah, that's, I, I was, I was trying cause I, my last time I did, uh, prep for a show I did the whole entire like filming of it and all that yeah. shit and you know I, I I honestly just wanted to do this for myself this time around yeah made you hate it didn't it yeah I, I yeah. hated every bit of it right? right and like I know we all know how social media is and we need to do it and it's part of the business and I get that but uh it, it honestly takes away from the journey of bodybuilding for me um you know it's it's one of those things where it's like bodybuilding for me is something that I did for myself out of the gate um, and you know, to do it where I have to show everybody what I'm doing all the time is just fucking annoying. So, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I just wanted to do this for myself. I wanted to do the prep for myself. I didn't want, I don't really care if anybody follows. I don't really care if anybody, you know, I just wanted to show up and show out and, and, and bring the best me, um, and just see what happens. So nice. Mm. Well, dude, when um, I open up, go to when you're here in Nashville here in a few weeks, like we were chatting, I'm going to have to, if you get spare time, don't feel like too much hammer dog shit because I know how it is in prep when you just want to not be touched, looked at, even bothered. Um, I'll take you where I'm looking at putting my gym and oh, yeah. get your opinion. I know I'll get your opinion on my floor plan and stuff like that too. But congratulations on that number because I know as a gym owner, what it's like once you get above the K mark um, and what you can really do. So congrats. I will say, <clears throat> me and you were chatting, what, a few weeks ago, I saw in your story, you had a resting heart rate of 42 beats a minute. Wow. And we just started talking about stress and health. Yeah, dude, yeah. and prep. Wow. And so we're talking about stress and health markers. We were just chatting and then evolved. Hey, come on the podcast. Let's chat about this. I mean, because, you know, he's been putting I just don't know how. I, I mean, I, I'm normally a 48 guy, but man, as soon as I. Dude, that was me. Shit, it's, it's 58, 60, 62. <sighs> You forget during prep last year when I was doing all those steps, the last four weeks, I was just on 
uh, trend and mast and I dropped out test. Remember? Mm-hmm. And my resting heart rate was like in the low fifties and my HRV was always like up there. I was green recoveries like the last four weeks straight. It was wild. So when we started chatting, we thought this would be a good podcast and we've talked about stress and we've talked about health markers, but we've never really talked about them together. Um, so it's good for Nick to want to come on and put this together since he's actually living it and practicing it. But Let's go ahead and begin with the low hanging fruit. Like, what is stress? Obviously, you got workouts, you got your relationships, you got your mental perception, you got work life. Let's define stress. Let's kind of get that out there and like what some of the stuff that you were putting in play, maybe habit wise, life wise, to be able to get the results you were to keep obviously doing a hell of a prep uh, in a very safe health way, or I guess about as safe as a way you could say you could do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so the big thing I would say is I, one conversation I have with majority of my clients is understanding that stress isn't just like that feeling of overwhelming, like, ah, like, you know what I mean? We, everybody, uh, everybody equates stress with being something that's um, perceived, right? And a lot of the times it's not the perception of stress that, that's getting you. It's actually the duration of stress that's getting you. And it's coming from multiple directions. Um, you know, majority majority of individuals, it's going to be coming from work. It's going to be coming from the relationships that they have uh, with their families. It's going to be coming from all of that. And then we tack on workouts, we tack on cardio, we tack on drugs. uh, And, you know, it's just compounding aspects of stress on the system. And, you know, it's, it's an aspect of understanding that stress isn't just one metric. It's multiple things that are going to cause an influence. And, on top of that, I think one other thing that I've noticed is personality traits make a huge difference as far as the individual and how they manage stress. Um, you know, you got people that are very much more sympathetic, dominant individuals that are these high, strong individuals that if you if you kind of push them too much and kind of over push the, their brain, they kind of like freak the hell out and you can't get them to calm down. Um, or you got very just like some of the bigger bodybuilders that I've dealt with are just the most docile, calm guys you'll ever meet. And, um, you know, they can deal with a lot more stress. So it just kind of depends on what we're looking at, but that's kind of the baseline idea of what stress is in my eyes. Oh, thank you for covering that. Jason. Yep. All right. Well, let's go over, I guess, some of the markers that, uh, that we can use to track stress uh, and inflammation on the body. Um, I know we've got HRV and resting heart rate, but w- what are the ones that um, you go through and, and how I know some of them are harder to give ranges because it's, it's personal, uh, especially with HRV. But if you want to give some ranges, that would be great. Yeah. So really I, I will say that, that HRV is a hard one. HRV is one that uh, I only use sparingly. I do use it. I keep an eye on it, but it's not one that's like an end all be all for me only because of the fact that there's so many things that affect HRV. Yeah. Uh, it, again, when it comes to like personality traits, that's something that actually will affect your HRV when it comes to sleep quality, when it comes to, uh, there's all sorts of, of different variables that, that impact HRV. So one thing that I will say when it comes to markers is, I'm very keen on understanding that we've got multiple markers that we want to look at uh, and not just taking one metric and running with that one metric and saying that that means everything. And I think that's where a lot of people make mistakes is they'll look at a certain metric and then they don't take into account the circumstances that are kind of influencing said metric. 
Um, for instance, like think about if you've got a bodybuilder that's pushing harder in an off season um, and they're, they're you know, pushing a ton of food and we've got all this going on. Most of the time you're going to see their HRV is going to be dog shit. You're going to see their resting heart rate is going to be increased. You're going to probably see their blood glucose is going to be increased. And we're probably having to do something for that aspect. And you're typically going to see elevations in blood pressure. Um, but it's an aspect of understanding the amount of stress that we're putting on that system and looking at those variables day to day and also week to week to see how much stress we're causing on the system in order to get the response that we're looking for. We all know that we shouldn't push a body like to its extremes for extended periods of time because we're going to get a diminishing return. This is just a way to kind of look at specific metrics to understand what the body's actually doing. Um, you know, my history, my background is uh, I, I have a pre-med biology degree. So I'm very much more like the science mind. I like to see the metrics. I like to understand what's going on from what we can actually visually see and what we can track, right? So that's the reason why I stick with those. If there's going to be main metrics that I would track, the main ones that I would track would be resting heart rate, blood pressure, blood glucose, and sleep. Those are like your keys. Um, HRV is great. But again, like I said, it's so variant per the individual. There's people that I, I mean, I've gotten in crazy contest shape and their HRV doesn't get above 50. Um, you know, so it's, it's an aspect of, again, looking at all of your metrics and not just one at a, at a time. So I guess resting heart rate's kind of one of those things too, that's variable, but I feel like we can put more of a concrete stamp on that. I mean, what's a, what's a really like, oh, damn, that's, that's fucking good. And then, okay, well, that's kind of getting not great. And then not good. Yeah. So if you look back at like the standards of what HRV used to be, like what they would say is a good HRV is somewhere around 70 um, is like a, is like a quote unquote number that you would ideally look at. I don't think that that's true. I think it's so variable. It's hard to kind of put a number on that one. Um, but what I would say is I'm more concerned with the trends of an individual than I am the actual numbers out the gate, right? So if I'm working with somebody and out the gate, we've got a resting heart rate that's in the, in the mid sixties and we've got um, an HRV that's in like the forties the or fifties and a blood pressure that's through the roof then my only goal is to improve those metrics and get them within range. So like a blood pressure, you know, we all know the gold standard somewhere. Well, they changed it again, but somewhere around the 120 over 80 is kind of what you're looking for when it comes to a blood pressure, um, you know, blood glucose. We want to see that in the, in, in, at the absolute high end, we'd want to see that, you know, nineties um, realistically, we'd rather see it in like the seventies or eighties even. Right. Um, 70s is low even, but more so in the 80s. Um, and, and really seeing those markers kind of trending in the direction of proper health more than anything else. But like I said, it, when you come to HRV, if we're looking at blood, I've seen blood pressures perfect, blood glucose perfect, resting heart rates low, you know, sitting somewhere in like the 50s. Um, and we still see HRV not going up. Um, and again, I think a lot of that also comes down to the individual, um, and kind of their own susceptibility to deal with stress and the amount that they can recover from the set stress too. Got it. So why not, or do you use these or am I not looking at it right? Why not track cortisol on labs? Why not track CRP, LDH, or do you use those? It's just not your top go-to's. 
Yeah. So I use those on more of like a month to month basis, obviously, when we do blood work, mm -hmm. I don't use those as a daily basis. So this would be something more so daily, weekly that I'm tracking with individuals just to see how the body's dealing with stress yep. on a daily slash weekly slash monthly basis. Uh, when we talk about like cortisol response, insulin, um, you know, when we talk about uh, a lot of those like other markers, those are things that, yes, I'll definitely be tracking. And if I have somebody that when they first come to me, we do blood work and we see things right out the gate, um, then that's something that I'll track a little bit closer and we'll be doing blood work more frequently in order to keep an eye on it. Got it. Guys, you got anything follow up on that? Not on this one. He did a really good job covering that. You guys did. <clears throat> Next one's Mr. Jeffrey Sue. I like it when I say it like that. My voice sounds good. My throat's like like stuck or something. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, here we go. I wow. think I, 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 I can talk. It's like stuck. But what do you right. do? No, give me give me a minute, Jeff. Give me a minute. Let me drink some more. You got water. herpes of the throat, I think. <laughs> no, oh. Your throat ever get just gets stuck? Like you need to drink water and like I don't know. Yeah, I mean that happens. That herpes playing up to, um, to track this. So we all know about the aura, the whoop. So what other stuff would you use in, with your clients to track on a daily basis, and how accurate can they be? And what factors like throw it off? Yeah. So I, I personally use an aura. Um, if you actually look at the research, aura technically has the best readings as far as when it comes to like HRV. Um, I do also like the fact that aura will give you body temperature, uh, specifically like in my females. That's actually a, a, a nice addition is being able to have body temperature to understand if kind of cycles are falling in line and if we've got like an, any sort of increase or whatnot. It also can help out with kind of understanding if somebody's getting sick or whatever it might be, if we right. see that um, that temperature kind of increasing. So, uh, so I do like Aura. Whoop is nice only because of the fact that it does kind of measure strain throughout workouts. Um, but the main things that I use, um, I use the other aspect that I can use is I also do have people if they don't want to buy it a Aura ring or a Whoop. Then I'll have them just get a, a chest uh, heart rate monitor, and you can actually you can actually link that to an app called Elite HRV, uh, and you can mm -hmm. actually track HRV in that direction as well, um, and blood and uh, resting heart rate and all that good stuff. Um, blood pressure, simple cuff, get off of Amazon, not that hard, um, and then blood glucose, just a glucometer, um, is the main aspect. I typically have people do a blood glucose daily. And then if we're seeing an issue, I'll have them do where they do postprandial every two hours, um, one day a week, just to make sure that we're actually clearing blood glucose correctly. Um, so that's kind of pretty typical metrics that I'll use for people. Um, you know, there's some pretty cool technology out there now for tracking blood glucose, uh, like that. I don't, can't even think of the name of it. Yeah. 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 Um, yep. So, you know, there's some, some pretty cool devices out there, but you know, the baselines are a glucometer blood pressure cuff. Um, and then either like a chest strap or a war ring or, um, whoop would be kind of the main things to kind of track those markers. Now, now what are some deviations that you're seeing now with the glucometer? Cause I always tell my clients, like, you know, when you first prick your finger, you know, squeeze out a couple drops of blood, 
onto a napkin or whatever before you place your your test sample on the strip. And so are you telling people to do that? And how do you explain like the difference between a glucometer reading and a serum reading? Because they are usually at least, you know, 10 to 12 points um, away from each other. Yeah. So when it comes to actually doing the reading, I always have exactly kind of what you said. I have them squeeze out blood and then I'll have them wipe it off either with um, like an alcohol wipe or something like that. The other thing that I do actually warn people about is watch when you're grabbing the strip because a lot of people actually grab like the um, metallic end that actually goes into it and that can actually throw off the reading as well. Um, and I've seen that before. Uh, typically, the reason why you're wiping off that initial blood is just because you're going to get plasma. So it's going to be a little bit higher reading most of the time. And that's the reason why we're doing that. Um, but yeah, I, I typically, that's the exact same pr procedure that I have people do when it comes to glucometers, making sure that they wipe off, making sure that they do that. Uh, and then obviously do the next one. The other thing is, is making sure that it's like truly done fasted. Like I've had people where they're like drinking a coffee or something like that. Right. Yeah. They do it. Um, you know, so I always tell them like literally first thing, right. When you wake up, just go downstairs and do it. Um, and then, yeah, between the serum and that it's a massive difference, right? Like we're getting, we're getting direct blood from the vein itself, or we're getting it out of your finger. There's two big differences there. You're going to see a massive difference in the values, but that's also comes down to the aspect of what are you telling your people when they're going for blood work and, you know, it, are they truly fasting? And like, I actually recommend that majority of my people, I tell them to take two to three days off from training prior to doing blood work, yeah. just so we can see a baseline of actually what's going on with their body when it's not stressed. Right. So I want to see liver enzymes, kidneys. I want to see all of it uh, when the body's just chilling. Cause if we've got elevated en liver enzymes, elevated kidney issues and, and all of that, even when they haven't trained for two or three days, yeah, we probably got some big issues we need to be covering up or working on. So I'd almost rather like, you know, just take blood glucose at home and not bother doing it serum. The only stuff serum I think is relevant to glucose in general is like fasted insulin and A1C because yeah. you can be stressed out driving through the collection center. Like you hit traffic and you're all stressed out, you get a cortisol dump and then boom, like you got high glucose in your blood. Um, one thing that I think uh, we haven't talked about was like tracking temperature. Do you do that with your women, especially in relation to like the luteal phase and how HRV recovery kind of comes down? Do you, do you have them do a BBT at all? So as long as, as long as they're not on birth control, if they're on birth control, yeah. it throws everything yeah. fucking out of whack anyways. Right. Um, but yeah, if I've got a girl that uh, is, is not on birth control, has a normal cycle, we'll use that because I also do kind of dictate uh, with those individuals. And if they'll actually execute it, I'll actually dictate nutrition mm -hmm. and training based around their cycle as well. Um, so I will kind of do that. Uh, I believe that one of the terms for it is like Venus cycling, where you're actually cycling in yeah. depending upon the fluctuations of hormones throughout those given phases. Um, and, you know, changing the nutrition and also training, changing the training in order to actually optimize those phases. Um, yeah. Yep. What kind of person speaking of like, you know, as you're building all this stuff out and all that, what kind of people do you work, think that the, all this data points work for? Because you get some people who they're just extremely overwhelmed. They're like, I can't track this, won't track that, can't, like a lot of can'ts, <laughs> you know, and won'ts. How do you decide who might be, who might be, you know, help, helped by this? But also if you had a defiant person who was like, hey, I'm not going to fucking track that. 
how do you correlate to them? Like, well, if I don't know what you, you know, what gets measured gets managed is what now Pete Drucker said. So I'm always like, well, I use that quote, but how do you work those two? Like the people, how do you decide who's a good client to track and how do you help those who might be opposed to tracking get to where they need to? Yeah. So th- I think this is where like one of the nuances of coaching comes into play and figuring out the personality of the individual that you're working with. Uh, you know, we're going to have those very neurotic individuals that if they actually track those markers, they're going to end up getting to the point where they cause more damage uh, than actually helping themselves. Uh, Cause they're going to look at it and they're going to message you every single day. And they're going to drive you fucking insane because they're going to be like, well, why is my blood glucose elevated today? And why is my resting heart rate up and blah, 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 whatever it might be. Uh, and we all have had those clients. So, I, I mean, we all know that. Um, and so you find out pretty quick who you can actually work with on those specific guide, guidelines. Um, I typically will start most people with the baselines. Um, and really what I pay attention to is if they don't want to track a lot of this stuff, um, the main things that I care about then is some of the basics, right? Daily step count. You've got a phone on you, have it on you all day long. Cool. Just make sure that you tell me how many steps you've got. Right. Um, or how is your recovery in your workouts? How are you actually progressing in your workouts? Most people like to track their workouts and see exactly how they're doing in the gym. So in that aspect, then I can use that metric to understand how their body's responding to the training that we're doing, um, or the protocols that we're on. And then outside of that, um, I don't really give them an option, especially if they're enhanced, if they're going to do blood work or not. Um, you know, it's, it's not a choice. And especially if I'm dealing with somebody that's enhanced, uh, watching a lot of this stuff is really not a choice because we're dealing with your actual health. We're dealing with, um, your body. And the last thing I need is my name on something that goes completely awry. So, so yeah. And you hated me as a client. <laughs> I guess I just have a different look at lens and stuff, but, um, I did want to ask your question, uh, but I'll get into that. Cause, uh, Jeff's got number six, but I wanted to tack on something. So Jason, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, all right. Well, we've talked about these markers. What's, what type of variance, uh, do we see person to person, uh, as we're reviewing these? Yeah. So as I said, you know, the biggest, probably the biggest variance that I've seen is when it comes to HRV, as far as the metrics go, um, you know, most of the time we're seeing pretty standard aspects, unless they've got some sort of underlining conditioning, as far as like, autoimmune or something like that, where we can actually see the impact on, um, the, the system itself, right? Like I've had autoimmune cases where I had somebody that came to me and they were barely working out and they were walking and, um, and all their metrics were completely shit because they've got this underlining issue, um, that they might not have even known about until we did blood work and actually go deeper. Uh, so, you know, it, it really is dependent upon the individual. The other thing is more so an aspect of we'll see um, variants in these numbers if we've got like gut health issues, if we've got, um, you know, any of those kind of like, uh, I don't want to say this, any of those outside issues that you might not know coming out, out of the gate um, is always something that I end up seeing variants in a lot of these clients. Um, or, you know, obviously as you see with whatever, uh, it might be like diabetes or something like that, we're going to see variants in that, in that front as well. But, um, I think one of the biggest aspects that most people miss out on is really kind of taking into account the personality of the individual and how much that truly affects the, these markers, because it's, it's insane to me 
And that's also the reason why I like daily tracking is because of the fact that, uh, you know, if we have somebody and we're only going off their blood work that they went in and got done, then let's say that they have white coat syndrome and they go in and they freak out every time they go into the doctor. And now all we're seeing is elevated blood pressure. We're seeing elevated blood glucose. We're seeing issues as far as that goes. You're not actually, you know, we're not seeing the whole picture. And then we're making judgment calls based around something that's, you know, not on point. So. Yeah, no, I get that. Okay. My next? You're next. Number number six, right? On our, our little chart here. So yeah. Our little variants chart. Variants that we see from person to person and what supplementation can be used. I think we, we'd have to talk about, like, maybe not get too detailed, but I'm thinking about, like, cortisol and, like, MAO and CompT and, like, um, methyl donors like CME and, and 11 beta HSD. So, you know, that's a basket of random terms. So take it wherever direction you, you think would make most sense. Cause yeah. I know there's genetic variations, right. To how people. Perceive. For sure. For sure. Yeah. You know, I, I think this is the thing. So supplementation, I would say more so than anything, when it comes to like your markers comes down to actually figuring out how to make sure that you're optimizing recovery. Right. right? So at the end of the day, what we should be talking about then is how are we going to manage the stress that you're dealing with? Like, for instance, my case, when it comes to, to a prep right now, how am I managing running on 2,400 calories doing, you know, two hours of cardio a day on top of running businesses, on top of having kids, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is because of the fact of utilizing things like adaptogens to actually overcome that stress and overcome that cortisol response. Um, you know, they over at uh, Jason's company there, they make Cordy's, which is a great, great product when it comes down to actually ad adapting to the stress that you've got going on. But then also on top of that, optimizing sleep. Most of the people that end up doing a prep sleep like shit. And that's the number one reason why you typically end up seeing issues with the body actually performing correctly is because of the fact that they're just continually running themselves in the, the ground and we're constantly taxing the adrenals because the only thing that you can do at that point in time is take more stimulants in order to keep yourself awake. Um, I'm, 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 I'm one of those people as well, uh, that has done that in the past where I, you know, I, I took like two or three shreddables a day from project AD just to keep myself awake. Um, so, you know, and, and that's, but that was, you know, prior to me understanding how to optimize sleep. So, you know, it was, it's an aspect of getting that cortisol pattern to stay consistent even when we've got high amounts of stress and that's where adaptions come into play. That's where sleep aids that actually have something that can um, help your brain to calm down and actually allow you to actually get to a point where we can actually get to sleep and stay asleep uh, is key. Even when we're running on low food, even when all that happens. So from a supplementation standpoint, those would be the main things that I would focus on is an aspect of like adaptogens, um, ashwagandha, KSM 66, or, um, you know, cordyceps or a lot of those like good adaptogen complexes make a huge difference when it comes to overcoming a lot of the, the health marker issues that we see um, when it comes to individuals. What do you think about taking GH before bed? Yeah, so I, I'm actually a little bit different only because of the fact that my fasting insulin uh, hereditary is actually very low. Um, so if I take GH before I go to bed, it'll actually increase my blood glucose in the morning. It's just a, an, an observation I personally made only because of the fact that my insulin, my fasting insulin is so low. Um, and that was something that 
we found out via multiple rounds of blood work, didn't matter what we were doing, my fasting insulin was always low. So I actually respond better to doing, um, I do GH literally right when I wake up in the morning before I go for my morning walk. Uh, and then I'll typically do it like post-workout, um, post-workout window as well. Um, those are my two areas that work best for me that I don't seem to have any adverse side effects. Whereas, you know, again, that's the nuances of coaching is there's always a, there's always a gray area for everybody uh, and figuring out based upon the, the results that you're seeing where you should be implementing things in order to actually get the most optimal results with the individual. I'm curious why post-workout, not pre-workout for GH. So I actually, I actually personally like it post-workout only because of the fact that at that point in time, um, I'm not, I typically use insulin pre-workout. So I don't like to pair the insulin and growth hormone together personally. That's my own personal opinion. Um, so I'll typically end up doing some sort of fast acting insulin prior to workout with L-carnitine, uh, just to help out with the thermogenesis aspects that are going on during a prep, um, and also obviously performance, but then, uh, using growth hormone post-workout just to help out with recovery aspects is really the biggest thing that I've noticed more than anything else. And also at that time, blood glucose for me is already pretty low at that point in time. So I've already burnt through the majority of this stuff. So I get the best kind of impact out of it without the negative side effect of blood glucose being high. So Agreed. Do you recommend taking any sort of adaptogens immediately post-workout to encourage that parasympathetic state, like um, like an MPA cortisol with the phosphatidylserine? Oh, that's so, the stuff, or man. Or you could use new yeah. ethics that has that, but that's cool. <laughs> uh, so my only thing is this, is I'm actually a firm believer that the stress response that we get from a workout, I don't necessarily want to blunt that. Okay. Right? I don't want to like, I don't want to like completely eliminate that stress response coming out of a, coming out of a workout. Uh, so what I typically tell everybody, and this is like my own views on it, which I I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys will agree with, but um, my own personal view is I completely dictate my post-workout nutrition based and like intake based on my stomach actually giving me a somewhat hunger cue. Right. So I'm not a, I'm not a huge person on this anabolic window bullshit. I'm more of an aspect of if your body has gotten to a point where you're actually getting a little bit of a hunger cue, then we've gotten to a parasympathetic state enough that you're going to actually digest the food that you're taking in. Um, you know, majority of the time, what we end up seeing is a lot of individuals are like, Oh, just get it in within 30 to 45 minutes. Um, and it's, absolutely retarded. If you, if you think about it, excuse my non-political correctness there. You're good. Um, no fucks given, really, baby. Yeah. If you really think about it, that's, that's not how it works, right? Our bodies, if our body is stressed to the max and we try to take in some food at that point in time, your digestion is going to be shit. And now we're not going to absorb what we're taking in. So what's the point? Right. Um, so, you know, again, but my thing is, is I also don't want to blunt that stress response that I'm getting from the body at that point in time, coming out of a workout by throwing more adaptions at the, at the body. Um, I would actually like to just let my body naturally calm down and then get my food at that point in time. So I'm actually opposite. Uh, when I get done, I like to bang out two quarter ease. Yep, by the time I get home, um, I'm, you know, I mean, I got like 30 minutes, so I'm usually hungry by then. But the only reason for that is I found like I could take a, a quick nap. And I will just feel rebooted. So it works for me. Uh, Nick, how old are you? 
I am uh, 32. This is old man hack shit that we're telling you 40 plus over here. (laughs) This is old man hack. But no, I I used to be like you because I I like that response and things like that. And I agree with what you're saying. I think you see, I see kids like they'll be doing their last set immediately. They're jamming Rice Krispie treats down their throat and all that stuff. I'm like, ah, it's probably not the best, but um, you know, it's hard to tell people things, but I agree with what you're saying by and large um, on, on that. I think it also depends upon the person too. And, you know, how well are they going to get done working out and get their phone immediately be pissed off? Well, if they're going to be pissed off, you might need to blunt the cortisol effect to some degree. So um, I do want to talk now about lifestyle changes. So and you got you know a couple of notes, of course, you know, you got your breath work, you got recovery, you got journaling, all stuff. But I want to kind of like ask you a question because I did it this past week. I did those Norma Tech boots, those compression boots. And I did them like back to back days. And my legs felt the freshest they've ever felt. Like, I mean, I did a workout Monday that God himself would have averted his eyes from witnessing. I mean, it was pretty obscene with how bad it was for myself. But I did that. And I also did an IV drip. I did the Proline. I did, um, I had uh, glutathione in it and I added um, taurine. And I felt amazing. Like my recovery, my aura was like, what are you doing, buddy? This is like great. Want to get your thoughts on that? Are you doing any of that stuff? And of course, you know, we'll talk about breath work and all that stuff too, but want to kind of throw it to a left field for a second and see if you're doing any of that as well. Yeah. You know, honestly, actually one, one point and thanks for reminding me, but glutathione is probably one of the most overlooked things, but it it's massive when it comes to recovery, especially when it comes to um, prepping. So I do, I do injectable glutathione every day. Um, on my off days, I actually do two times the dose in order to actually get the full benefits of it. And I've noticed a big difference in uh, recovery just from doing that. So have you looked at NADH or NAD plus? Yes. Okay. So yeah. I'm going to do it. Yeah. NAD plus. I actually did. I actually liked it. I did a, uh, uh, there's a local company here that does IV therapies too. Um, so, so they did, they did NAD plus plus or with glutathione as well. Did you have to load it for four days straight? Because I know I've seen three days straight, four days straight, and then it's a once every four to eight week thing. But the one thing that I saw in the user comments was, you know, it does help with telomere length. It does dramatically lower inflammation. People say that their brain fog is completely removed, but the deep sleep, everybody says like increases by like up to 40 minutes. I saw some people saying when they were tracking it. So I was curious how they did that for you. Cause I've been into the, I've been thinking about doing the NAD plus. Yeah. Yeah. They did. Uh, they had me do, it was three days in a row that I came in for it where they did a front load basically on it. Um, I didn't see the massive increase in deep sleep, but I are, I always get really good deep sleep. I'm actually, my, my REM sleep is really the issue that I have with. Um, typically my REM sleep is a little bit lower than what it should be, but, um, but yeah, that, that's, uh, they did front load it for three, for three full days. Basically I had to go in and, and do that. Um, and, and yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, again, I think it depends. I, I don't necessarily know just because at this point in time, I, I might as well be a chemical factory with everything that we're putting in, <laughs> uh, just to make sure that my body is, you know, performing correctly, um, right. you know, whether it's on whether it's under the counter or over the counter supplements right now, it's, it's pretty much a laundry list of stuff that we're doing just to make sure that my body stays healthy. So um, I can't necessarily say that that was the only determining factor that actually helped out with, uh, recovery at that point in time. So that's a fair answer. Well, I'm going to do it. I'm going to let y'all know what I think of it. Cause it's, it's a pretty penny. It's like 1800 bucks mm-hmm. for the four treatments and all that. But I did that compression therapy. And if you guys are Jeff, Jason, you guys are here in Nashville, there's a place up the street. You guys should check out, but those compression boots were the shit. I totally love them. 
So we also got other lifestyle stuff besides all that. I went down a rabbit hole, but like you got breath work, you got journaling. What do you recommend for people on that? Like what's the breath work scenarios you recommend they work through? How do you recommend they set up a journaling routine? Um, and do you prefer meditation or do you prefer just people sitting there just trying to be still and, you know, enjoy peace, I guess, and quiet for a little bit. So actually when it comes down to, um, really the things that I found most effective is actually just teaching diaphragmatic breathing to individuals. 90% of people don't understand how to actually breathe through their diaphragm. And if you can actually teach somebody to do diaphragmatic breathing, number one thing, number one way to do that is literally just breathe through your nose. Um, you breathe through your nose, you're going to activate diaphragm. 90% of people are mouth breathers. So fixing that one issue, most of the time actually will have a direct impact on health markers. Uh, you'll see, you'll see an actual direct impact on like resting heart rate and uh, blood pressure just from having them do guided breath work where they're actually diaphragmatic breathing. Um, I have, again, it's, it's person dependent. I have certain clients that have no problem sitting still for 15 minutes doing a meditation and a guided breathing. And then I have individuals that are neurotic that if you try to teach, tell them to sit down and do it for 15 minutes, they're going to knock you out. So uh, it's really person dependent on the strategy that I use when it comes to utilizing meditation and breathing exercises. Um, but at the end of the day, the main thing is, is more so teaching somebody how to actually breathe with their diaphragm rather than breathing through their chest, breathing through their mouth um, to actually get that activation that we're looking for in the diaphragm, um, which will help out with vagal tone and actually help out with kind of getting them into more of a parasympathetic state. I'm glad you brought the vagal tone. That's a big one. Do you, um, do you work with people on talking to them about like, you know, in prep your food choices, you watch that with your inflammation because of what I could do the vagus nerve and all that. Like, since you've been doing prep, do you feel that the food sources have mattered even more? Like if you could go back in other preps, do you think that that was maybe things that held you back, threw you off stuff like that? Yeah. So actually this prep is one that's kind of opening my eyes to, uh, different ways of prepping. Uh, so it's kind of the prep that I'm doing right now and the foods that I'm eating are very contradictory to old school bodybuilding. Uh, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's get so it. My, my, my carb sources, almost 90% of them are from fruit. Um, so I'm eating mm -hmm. majority fruit when it comes to actual carb sources right now. Yeah. Um, a lot of fruit too. I like it. I like it. Yeah. So fruit, lots of fruit. Um, I've got honey in there. I've got, I actually don't have white rice at all in my nutrition, which is completely different than what I had previously. I was doing a shitload of white rice in my previous preps. No more poison, uh, huh? What's that? All the arsenic poison. They say. Yeah, yeah. No more poison. Uh, I have uh, organ meats in there now, um, which actually has made a huge difference as far as my energy levels. Uh, Upper. So I've got, I've got liver um, before my workouts. I've got liver at a different time in the day as well. And I've actually noticed an increased like uh, energy going into my workouts with that mm -hmm. liver, which is interesting. Um, and I've noticed again that, you know, my, from, a, from a health standpoint, my body's actually responding a hell of a lot better and my cravings are lower. So without ha with actually having those uh, fruits in there, the vitamins, the minerals, I'm covering a lot of the bases that I never covered before because, you know, inherently in a prep, most of the time, if you're dieting like the bro style, you're going to end up depleting a lot of the vitamins, minerals, and right. uh, nutrients. And so this way of dieting, 
um, has shown me kind of opened my eyes to the fact that I don't have to run on, you know, protein and veggies and get shredded out of my mind. Um, you know, you can actually do it in a better way, utilizing the foods and actually looking at the medicinal properties that come from those foods and how that works well with the body, uh, to control inflammation, but also make sure that we're supplementing and well, I shouldn't say supplementing, I should say more so making sure that micronutrients are covered, um, and we're not causing massive deficiencies as we go through a prep. So I like, I like the idea of the fruit because I think you would get a lot of micronutrient benefit, but you'd also keep your waist a lot tighter too. You would. I've been doing it post-workout. I'm not as bloated at all. I do grapes, pineapple, banana, and a plum, and I feel great. I just need a change. I've been doing it too. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's one thing that I've noticed is my waist. My waist is actually the smallest it's been. It's down. It was down to a 29 and a half um, this past uh, week, and that's the smallest it's ever been in a prep. So, uh, and digestion-wise, I feel a hell of a lot better, and Typically what you end up seeing is when you go through a prep, one of the like limiting factors is that dietary fiber gets pretty damn low for majority of people. If they're doing more of a bro style diet, whereas if we keep the fruit in, we've got more dietary fiber as well. And also, um, you know, it's a faster digesting carbohydrate too. So you're going to end up actually burning through it a lot faster. And so I'm noticing that, you know, hunger is still staying high, but I'm not getting these like I'm also not getting these crazy spikes in blood glucose because we still have a little bit of that dietary fiber coming from the fruit as well. Um, and also the combinations of the other foods that are going with it too. So, yeah, I mean, across the board, it's, it's been an interesting and uh, different approach than what I've done in the past. Um, but I can see and feel the, the benefits and the differences than, than previous preps too. So awesome. Yeah. So it sounds like you could keep with the lifestyle to wrap up my question with this, even bodybuilding prep, you're going to keep up with it. So it sounds like changes you made were good. I can also point one other thing out. You could tell your face is dug in, your eyes are sunken in. So pers- people who've gotten in condition like we have, like can recognize that about you, your brain fog isn't present. So that copper has been doing you good, man. Cause that was the first thing I know that went away when I put my copper in yep. and start cranking it. Cause I'm at 16 milligrams now. Uh, a day and I'm about to kick it to 20 and just see what it's like there. But, um, I've also at 40 milligrams of boron. Once I got through that floor, I detox, uh, that was some shit, but regardless, man, that brain fog lift is a game changer. And like, how yeah. you think? So you're right. Yeah. Jay number. Uh, let's see. So I guess to, we're starting to wrap this up and package it up neatly. So you've got all these, you know, things that you track, how do you go about using it and applying it to people and programming? Yeah. So obviously, you know, straight out the gate, if we've got somebody that's uh, coming to me clinically, clinical issues with uh, HRV in the tanks, blood glucose through the roof, resting heart rate through the roof, um, you know, all of that stuff. My number one thing straight out the gate is to reduce stress on the system. So 90% of the time it's feed them up, make them walk, don't make them work out, give them a little bit of time and kind of reset the system and bring everything back down to baseline the best we can. Um, but the other aspect is, is this is actually super useful when we're talking about like bodybuilders. And as we're going through different phases and pushes, um, we'll be able to notice as far as the metrics go of when maybe we should be pushing a little bit harder into hypertrophy or when, um, when we might want to change into more of a conditioning phase in order to kind of reset, reprime the system uh, in order to kind of move back into hypertrophy. So 
like I do phases with a majority of my clients where they're going to end up going through some sort of conditioning phase. And by that, I mean, uh, you could think of it more so like almost a cardiovascular VO2 max focused uh, phase. And that's more so than anything to kind of get the body to a point where we optimize oxygen utilization because 90% of people suck at using oxygen. And if you can't utilize oxygen, you can't build muscle tissue, you can't burn fat. So um, I'll typically end up putting somebody into more of like a training phase as that, as far as that goes before I even get into a hyper hypertrophy muscle building phase, because inherently hypertrophy and or uh, strength power training is going to decondition the system. And so it's an aspect of just making sure that I'm, I'm pairing all of that stuff correctly. But when I'm looking at markers, I'll look at the system that we're working on at that given time. If I put somebody through a systemic phase, majority of the time, I'm going to end up seeing HRV is going to increase, resting heart rate is going to decrease, blood pressure is going to decrease because we're giving them kind of like a higher uh, uh, output in a shorter amount of time. And then after that uh, given phase, then I might actually focus in on something that's more like a lactic phase to actually get the body used to processing through lactic acid. So we're kind of, you know, priming the body for what we're about to go into when it comes to hypertrophy and the, the strategies that you use in hypertrophy um, as we go. Um, and then basically hypertrophy phase. And then what I do is I watch those markers as we're going through that, that phase. If I start to see resting heart rate going too high, or I start to see blood glucose going too high uh, for long periods of time, you know, I typically am okay with one to two weeks of that elevation. But if we start to get to three to four weeks and we're starting to see the body really starting to dig itself down, then I'll pull them out of that phase and reset and kind of go from there. So, so I guess that leads us into our last question, um, which you just touched upon, which is, you know, when might it be acceptable to allow these measurements to get out of whack? And, you know, I tell a lot of like, you know, the guys that I train, if we're pushing for food, I'm just like, listen, like your glucose isn't going to be a perfect 75. Like if we're pushing like 800 carbs a day and we're not using insulin, um, you know, you're going to get stressed out. We're going to have situations where we're overreaching. Right. So, so you just said that you won't let them go more than what, four weeks like that. Are there situations yeah. where you've allowed them to kind of sit in a, an over stressed position or you just flat out black and white? No, never. No. So, I mean, it, it really, again, it's person dependent. I will, I, if I can overreach, I'll push that overreach as far as I can until I see, horribly bad feedback. Right. So it's one of those things where it's like, I do want to overreach because that's how we kind of push past that next limit that we're looking for. Right. Um, but I don't, I, the typical individual that I've worked with, um, and, and granted this comes into kind of taking into account the bigger a bodybuilder is typically they don't recover nearly as well as your smaller guys. So you can only push them so long before you're going to have to pull back. Um, and then on Makes top sense. of that, on top of that, I've, other, I've also had it where, you know, it, again, we're, we're taking everything into account, but um, as far as lifestyle and whatnot and the individual, but most of the time I'm okay with health markers getting out of whack for two to four weeks, kind of pushing those upper limits. And then if we've gotten to a point where we've done that, and then we also see that also are starting to see a decrease in performance, that's when I'm like, okay, we got to pull the rates back. Right. So 
the performance is the main thing that I'm going to watch when it comes to how far I'm pushing these guys. If we're seeing performance is continually increasing, they're doing, they're, they're either getting the, the, the PRs or they're getting, you know, uh, rep or vet or uh, amounts, right. Um, that they're pushing. If those continue to increase week by week, then I'll be okay with it. And as long as we're, we're getting sleep and we're actually kind of um, communicating with me on how you're feeling, then if we can get away with pushing it, I'll push it. Um, but there comes a point where you get a diminishing return and that overreaching is now getting to a point where you're going to end up injuring somebody. And yeah. so it's just keeping an eye on that and kind of having open communication with your client to know when that proper time is. Yeah. I also think that like, Jeff, did you have something to say? I was going to ask if you guys thought that people have lost the ability to auto-regulate themselves with training. Like, I'm like, I know, like, when the days I go there, like, today is more of a 15 to 20 rep kind of day, and then yeah. go take the shit out of it, no matter what that logbook says. So I, I was curious what you all thought about that, since you, what you kind of just said made my mind ping to that. For the topic that you just brought up, Jeff, was exactly what I was going to say, except I was just going to say that, like, a lot of people will tend to focus on these metrics and mm -hmm. what's optimal and be like, Oh my God, like I can, I have to stay within 75 and 85 of blood glucose. Otherwise my world's falling apart <laughs> Getting too like data, like focused, you know, yeah. and losing that sense of just, Hey, how do I feel? How am I performing? You know, yeah. and just understanding that numbers, like we operate in a range, like, like I have a lot of women who are like, I have to weigh 132.7 every day. Otherwise I'm getting fat and I can't stay in maintenance anymore because I'm getting fat. And I always tell them, I'm like, maintenance is a range. You might want to stay between like 130 and like maybe 138, 140. Same thing with all these metrics. So what do you, what do you think about that? No, I a hundred percent agree. I, it's, it's one of those aspects of, I think, again, that comes down to the client and if they're too neurotic, it's not going to help you to actually, to actually track some of this stuff. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, it's, it's an aspect of auto-regulation is something that is a tool, but it's really the biggest thing is, is actually having people understand what they're, they're actually feeling. Right. I think too many people look at it and they're like, oh, well, I, I trained really hard, so I should take the day off. Um, or, you know, I woke up and uh, I just felt off today. Well, there's going to be days that you're going to feel off. Welcome to, welcome to bodybuilding. Welcome to, um, you know, pushing yourself. Welcome to kind of the way that it works. Um, but, you know, these markers are more of an aspect of, for instance, yesterday uh, I went and had a charity golf event and walked 18 holes on top of doing my workout. And I took caffeine way too late. I don't typically take caffeine at night. Uh, and I got like five and a half hours of sleep last night. I was supposed to train today. And I said, nope, I'm going to do an, an off day. Right. Um, and I'm going to run my, my off day nutrition. And I think too many people overcomplicate it. And they, they, they are like, well, if I, if I have a schedule, I got to stick to that schedule no matter what. And especially competitors are horrible about this is they're like, I'm not going to pay attention to anything. It's he told me I have to train three days on one day off, two days on two days off, whatever it might be. Why are you calling Jason now? <laughs> well, and so it's one of those aspects of like, that's where auto regulation comes into play. If you can understand, Hey, you know what? I got shit sleep last night. My body's already kind of stressed at this point in time. Pushing it is not going to help me. I should probably take a day off. Right. Um, and realistically in the grand scheme of like a prep for me, I look at it as, okay, well, all I'm doing is I'm still in a caloric deficit. 
I'm still going to get my walking in, which is going to allow me to still push myself further into that deficit, but I'm managing the stress so that way I can push the body harder as we move forward. Right. So, um, you know, again, I think it just comes down to the fact of our goal as coaches is to teach people how to, how to be cognizant of what's going on with their body and actually recognize what's going on with their body. That's our entire goal is to teach people how to understand what's happening with their body. Uh, and that's also the reason why like journaling would come into play as well. So that you can kind of start to see, right. And when I talk journaling, um, you know, that can be all sorts of things that could be journaling to the aspects of like actually journaling your food, or it could be journaling emotions around food. It could be all sorts of things um, just to understand the, the feedback that you're getting and what your body is actually telling you. Awesome. Nick, Yo. where can everybody find you, man? Thanks for joining us today. It was really well put together. I enjoyed the guy being able to frame that out in a good way. We've never done it like that. So that was cool. Where can everybody find you? Give you a follow and you know, give a fuck about the prep that you don't give a fuck about. Uh, so on uh, Instagram, it's BR Physiques. Mm-hmm. And then on uh, there's YouTube out there as well for BR Physiques. Um, and then website is just brphysiques.com. Sounds good, man. Well, guys, that, if, you're, if you're ever in Omaha, Nebraska, come out to Iron Heaven Gym. We've got three locations here. I'm actually going to make it out to Nebraska one day. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. I feel like I'd be enlightened for getting to Nebraska. It's 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 slow moving, but it's uh, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't fault that stuff. All right, man. Well, thanks for joining us. And guys, as always, it was nice seeing you assholes as well. Um, I hope you guys have yourself a good one. Peace. All right. All right. Later,